The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. And this is Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. This is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise so that you can dive deep into spiritual topics and discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. Today we'll be talking about some specific practices for you. I'm here with Ben Jamison. We are at the Unity Tower at very snowy Unity Village. If you're listening live, we'd love for you to call in any time during the show, 816-251-3555. Ben explained last week who he is, and he's everything. He is <laughs> he is the quintessential New Thought leader. He's in Unity and Centers for Spiritual Living and now Divine Science, and... We've mainly been talking about his book called Church-Free Spirituality, even though um, he goes to church and he he is not against church at all. He knows that a lot of people who say they're spiritual but not religious aren't really doing anything about it, about deepening their spiritual experience. So that's why you wanted to write the book, right? That was one of the main reasons, yes. Yeah. So can you recap what we talked about last week, what I remember is is we talked about symbols like the cross mm-hmm. and how it gives some people the willies and others just love it. And uh, we talked about specific words, and we get to define all that for ourselves. Yeah, so that was one of the big conversation topics last week was this idea that words are really just symbols. Uh, and symbols themselves, like the cross, are never actually the thing they symbolize. They're just a symbol of that thing. And so we, as the ones who are viewing that symbol, can define that symbol however we want. And so one of the things that we run into oftentimes when we're going from a more religious context into a more spiritual experience uh, is, is allergy to words or to certain symbols where we see them and they just they irritate us, we get annoyed, we get angry, we get upset, whatever that is. And so rather than just sticking with the definitions that don't work for us, just a reminder that we can go in and redefine those in any way that we want because really they're coming into our consciousness anyway and we have total authority in our own consciousness to view the world to view words and symbols uh, as we see fit and as are beneficial to us and so that's one of the practices in spirituality is really looking at uh, how we can define those words in, in ways that are beneficial rather than staying with definitions that don't work for us along those lines we also talked about how One of the most important decisions we can make is what we believe about God or spirit or the universe, whatever the term is that you like. Um, Einstein said it that uh, the most important decision is whether or not we live in a friendly universe because everything else will come out of that decision. So when we look at what we believe about God, oftentimes we've got a lot of stuff in there from (laughs) the race consciousness, right, that we grew up with, that society tells us that maybe doesn't work for us. And so when we find ourselves at 
at odds with what we think about God and how we feel in relation to these ideas that come up. So I may have this wonderfully uh, uplifting idea about God, and then something that I really want doesn't manifest, and I find myself angry at God. Like, why didn't I did my prayer work? I did my visualization. I did all of this stuff. Why didn't it happen? And there's anger at God. Well, that's a uh, that's saying that what we say we believe about God is not actually in our experience quite yet, that we're defaulting to that race consciousness, those old ideas. So that as we begin to look at uh, how we really want to feel about God and believe about God, we can shift our experience and our understanding, and then that will filter down to everything else in our spiritual practice. If we believe in a loving universe, then when our experience is not one of loving, we're off-center. And so that's a good guidepost. Um, and then the other thing that, that was really important from last week was this idea about, uh, about authority, about who is it that gets to determine what works in spirituality. And one of the great things about a spiritual practice uh, is that demonstration is the ultimate authority. If somebody tells you that a certain meditation technique works and you try it out and it doesn't work for you, it doesn't matter if the Dalai Lama was the one who told you that that meditation works. It doesn't work for you. So we need to have the wit to let go of what doesn't work for us and find what does. Um, and so we, with everything, whether it's in my book or somebody else's book or anything you hear on the radio here, Check it out. We don't take it as gospel truth until we experiment with it, explore it, see how it shows up. If it shows up as working, great. And if it doesn't, it's just fine to let it go or tweak it to find a way that does uh, that it does work for us. This is just quintessential new thought. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember what a shock it was when I first heard it. And I still run into people who say, what do you mean if your beliefs don't make you feel good, you can just change them? No, truth is truth, and you have to believe whatever the preacher said you have to believe. And, you know, what do you mean if it doesn't work for you, just give it up? That there are certain ways to do things. There are rules, and they're in the Bible, and that's the way to do it. And if it doesn't work for you, you're doing it wrong. And if it doesn't feel good, that's God's will. So I guess I'm just saying that to say if you're new if you're new to new thought um, – some of this might not not might not be what you're used to, but it's one of the things that a lot of us who are in New Thought now have loved about it is the freedom to define our own words, to create our own symbols, to change our beliefs, and to test the principles and and see what works for us. And along those lines, um, one of the quotes that I love, I'm going to paraphrase it. It's an Ernest Holmes quote. Um, it's not going to be exact, but it's basically the only God you will ever know is the God of your own understanding. Mm -hmm. So the uh, we cannot have a relationship with a God that is not already within our consciousness. So whatever our experience is of God right now is because that's our current understanding of God. And as we explore it more, as we dig into what feels good, what doesn't feel good, these are indicators of when we're going in the right direction. Truth feels good. We talk about ultimate truth. There is that resonance that can come inside when we hit on a truth. Even if it's an uncomfortable truth, there can still be that resonance there. And so as we grow, our understanding of God changes and our experience of God changes, but we don't get there by simply taking something uh, without exploring it, without checking it out. Because if we don't bring it into our consciousness, we can't experience it. 
And unity's first principle is God is all there is. Mm-hmm. Everywhere present, if if it exists, it is God. That includes you. Mm-hmm. And did you say last week that that's the primary teaching of divine science? Everything is God. So what does that mean for this situation? How right. do I apply that in my life? That It's huge. And, you know, when I was writing the book about the five principles, I realized the first one is really all that matters. Mm-hmm. It's what you think about God. How are you carrying that in your consciousness? And then what do you do with it? Absolutely. So, in uh, so yeah, the main focus of divine science is the omnipresence of spirit, meaning everywhere present. So if spirit is present everywhere, then as we put our attention on that, what does that change about our experience? Um, like you said, the first basic unity principle is all there is, everything else is the gravy, is the icing, is is commentary on God is all there is. It's the same thing with, uh, and I've said this for years too, with uh, uh, Centers for Spiritual Living or Science of Mind. Their five-step um, affirmative prayer practice. The first step is recognition, is bringing into your awareness that God is all there is. If you spend all the time in that first step, you've got everything else. You don't need to worry about the other four. Because really, once you get really aligned with and explore deeply what it means that God is all there is, going back to what do I believe about God? Do I believe God is unconditional love? If so, then I've got work to do about how I relate to it. And that's what we do with basic principle number one, with this omnipresence, with the first step in affirmative prayer or spiritual mind treatment. Um, so, yeah, that piece, that uh, that's really all there is. And everything else then is just commentary on that to help us dig deeper into just that one. ways to practice it. Mm-hmm. I hope we'll talk about those five steps of prayer from religious science because I love them. Absolutely. Um, to me, they are easier to use than Unity's five steps of prayer. So I hope we'll get to that when we talk about prayer today. Sure. Because today we wanted to talk about some specific practices that you can use. There's so many of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is a spiritual practice? It sounds like exercise to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I look at spiritual practice, um, you know, there are the typical things. Oh, meditation is a spiritual practice. Of course, meditation. Uh, There are these, these very common things that people think of as spiritual practices. But what is often overlooked is that... You can sit with an intention of meditating, but not have it be a spiritual practice if your focus is not there. You can go out and garden with your intention being, I got to do all this weeding and I'm going to really not enjoy it, but at least I'll have a clean garden, whatever, and be annoyed doing your gardening. Or you can go out and garden saying... I get to interact with life. I get to connect with this principle of creativity. I planted these seeds. They're in the soil germinating. They're growing. This is just like life works, how there is this idea that then goes into the subconscious and germinates and then manifests into the physical world. And so I'm engaging with the process of creation by getting my hands in the dirt in my garden. And in that sense, gardening becomes a spiritual practice. One of my teachers many years ago finds ironing to be meditative. So there is no limit to what can be a spiritual practice depending on the focus that we bring to it. Are we petting the dog mindlessly because the dog is there and panting and needs petted? Or are we petting the dog to have that connection with unconditional loving that they represent so well? In that case, petting the dog becomes a spiritual practice. Talking to your neighbor can become a spiritual practice. Driving down the road can become a spiritual practice. If you are looking at all of the places where you see 
see people driving in your mind terribly and say, you know what? I'm making up a story about why they're driving that way no matter what because I have no idea. So the story that I'm going to make up is that they need a blessing and I'm going to send them blessing and send them loving energy as I go down the road. Then driving in rush hour becomes a spiritual practice. So there is no limit to what we can have as a spiritual practice. It's all about the focus that we bring to what we're doing. So anything you do while you're what thinking about God, thinking about life? While you're having that intention for connection to spirit for growth for um for expanding your awareness and understanding in a spiritual direction that's such a relief to people who who have trouble just sitting still and meditating Mm -hmm. to have trouble focusing or clearing their minds or just being still or whatever it is there are so many ways we could be practicing our spirituality absolutely it can be very active we have a caller Let me see. Her name is Sherry. Let me see if I can get her on the air. Sherry, are you there? Yes, hello. Hey, thanks for calling. Hi. Hello. Uh, I have a question. Okay. Um, What, I know you've been talking about the nature of God and spiritual practices, but if you're, so my question is, if I'm having a struggle with my concept of God, at the moment, or if it's it's going through a transition time where I'm not I'm not sure whether I believe in God or not in a particular way, um, how how can I still have a spiritual practice, or rather, is my spiritual practice dependent on having God in the picture? Oh, great question. Very good question. Thank you so much for calling in and for asking that. So um, I would say, again, we have to go back and look at what our definition of God is. Um, so, uh, and this is, this is really a great, great question because I have noticed recently in my own spiritual practice that my understanding of God is needing to be up-leveled. I have found myself recently dropping back into a more anthropomorphic view of God. So, um, uh, looking at, um, well, we talk about the giving nature of God, right? So that gets in my head this idea of somebody giving me something. So mm-hmm. I found a lot of this creeping in. And so I've, I've been deconstructing, in a way, my own understanding of God and how I do my own spiritual practices so that I can find something new underneath there. So this question really does resonate for me. Um, and so what I would say is that we go back to... Mm, we go back to... Um, the eternal verities of God is a wonderful place to go to. Um, that's a fancy-sounding word, um, but it really what it really means are the things that are true always and forever. So, um, love. There are many different expressions of love. Uh, it can come in many different forms. The concept of love, love itself, has always been, always will be. Everybody understands in their own way what love is, even if we have different experiences of it. Beauty is another one. We can look at a different piece of art, you and I, Ellen, and I can think that piece of art is just awful, and you can say, oh no, that piece of art is beautiful. And even though we have a different experience of that piece of art, I know what you're talking about when you say beauty. I'm I'm experiencing beauty by this piece of art. So when we get rid of, if, if we can just step back 
from all of the concepts around what God is, what God isn't, how do we relate to God, is God the old man in the sky, is God just a principle, and if God is just a principle, then how do I have a relationship with a principle? We can look at these qualities, and, and we can find connection there. Um, and so if we focus on not so much of what is God and how do I relate to God, but in this moment I need an experience of, of loving. And so how can I turn in within and focus on loving and create that experience for myself? Or I'm surrounded by creativity, and creativity inspires me, and I tend to feel connected to life when I am involved in a creative pursuit. So I'm going to get out some paper and, and some colored pencils and start coloring and start drawing. Um, we can get rid of these, uh, not get rid of, but set aside some of these bigger Questions, these bigger ideas that, that society has put so much pressure on and go back to more basic things like life, life itself. How do I feel connected to life? How do I feel energized? How do I feel excited? How do I feel connected? Um, connected to what? Doesn't matter. How do I feel connected? We know what that connection feeling is. We don't have to have an object of that connection necessarily. If we don't understand what that object is, it's all right as long as we know what the feeling is and we can go into that feeling and then go from there to help rebuild um, as we look at, well, what do I, what do I want to believe about God? Um, I think another part of the question was, do I have to have God in a spiritual practice? Um, and it, it, it depends on your understanding of God. So if your understanding of God, as it is in unity, as it is in, in new thought, is that God is all there is. God is unconditional love, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, meaning it exists everywhere, is all power and all powerful, is all knowledge, the knowingness of everything, is unconditional love in every situation, then there is nothing else for there to be than God. So in that regard, yeah, you have to have God in your spiritual practice, but it's going to be the God of your own understanding, not the God of somebody else's. And so if where you are is... I don't know what God is. I have no idea how to figure it out. I feel overwhelmed by it. But I know that when I sit down and I am still and my cat jumps up on my lap and I pet my cat, I know that there is a resonance inside of me. There is a peace. There is a calm. There is a connected feeling inside of me. Then start there. Just do that. And as you build up, as you get that connection and have that feeling more and more and explore it and look into it, into that feeling, then you'll be able to build up the edifice around it that helps you to have uh, that, that more connected experience, that more personal experience, you might say. Um, and if you don't want to have anything to do with the term God, yeah, don't have to. Right. Get rid of that term. Uh, if you like the term spirit, great. If you don't, great. Universe, awesome. Creativity, I, it's interesting. Like a lot of, I, I'll have conversations with artist friends of mine, and they'll talk about creativity, and I'll swear they're talking about God. Mm -hmm. um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, my favorite scientist, 
amazing guy, look up the thing, the video on what he thinks the most fascinating thing is about the universe, and you will have one of the most inspiring sermons you have ever listened to, but from somebody who defines himself as agnostic and doesn't really put much attention on religion. But it is absolutely spiritually inspiring and uplifting and just connects you to the entire universe in this short few minutes with him talking about the most fascinating fact about the physical universe. So you do not have to have any term in your spiritual practice that you do not like. Um, You can just get rid of all of it and just say, my spiritual practice is with life. I love your way of doing this because you give us such permission to um, make it up as we go in a good way. Absolutely. Um, Sherry, did that help? Did that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Okay, thanks very much for calling. Thank you, Sherry. Have a great day. Let's see. I'm not sure how to turn her off. There she goes, I think. Okay. Um, Yeah, so that's why so many people become allergic to the word God. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I gave it up for many years because it triggered in my mind the the Michelangelo God, the mm-hmm. supreme being who was intervening in my life, listening or not listening to prayers, answering or not. And that definition works for millions of people. And, and, and in unity, we are studying this idea that God is so much larger than that, that God is all there is, that – we are a part of that overall divinity or life force. And in that case, there are lots and lots of words for it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the way to help deal with that allergy, to help get rid of it, is to not make the other definitions wrong, which can sometimes be really difficult to do when we see what people do with definitions of words. Um, but a wonderful spiritual teacher that you know I'm, I'm getting more and more connected to um, I, I disagree with a bunch of what this person has said. Um, and yet at one point they said, not everything I say is for you. Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What is for you is for you. Not everything I say is that. So it's about not every definition is for you. And so if we can say, you know, ugh, that definition really doesn't do it for me. But there are millions of people who are feeling connected to spirit and who are growing spiritually and who are doing wonderfully th- wonderful things in society, are serving countless people and being an amazing, loving presence because they have that definition that doesn't work for me. Um, as we stop making those definitions wrong and let go of that judgment, we can begin to focus on definitions that do work for us. Mm-hmm. Um. We've been shifting the language at Unity a little bit the last couple of years to try to express this idea of oneness. And I'll tell you what, the English language does not lend itself easily to oneness. Mm. Have you noticed that? Uh, We're very much comfortable with up, down, cold, hot, black, white, right, wrong, dualism. Um, And trying to say it's all one and it's all good in some sense is hard um, and it's we also sometimes grapple with expressing the divinity that we are and so I talk about this a lot with Linda Martella Whitsett who's in charge of Silent Unity mm-hmm. and she's been working on language over there and I've been working on it for our publications like Daily Word and 
she's written whole books about it. But the idea is, let me start over. Shifting your language is important because I think we work backwards from the words we say. I mean, in order to change the words you say, you have to change the way you think about it, which means you have to stop and think about it. So when you've decided how you might want to express this, do you see how it just it mm-hmm. rolls from there? Um, so one of the ways she described it to me is when we are saying God or spirit or the infinite is doing something for us, that's not oneness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that And that includes God loves me. And it's pretty controversial even in unity not to use the term God loves me. Mm-hmm. God is love. Uh, I am love. Those things. Do you see what I'm going for here? I do. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the other ways. Mm-hmm. They're much more familiar and they work for a lot of people. But uh, this has really stretched my mind to try to do it this way. And I would think divine science has to work on that if their primary teaching is God is all there is. Yeah. And, and so from what I hear of what you're saying is that this idea of God loves me now puts there as God and me, right. two separate things instead of one. Right. And the difficulty is, well, if I get rid of that and I say there is only one thing, then how can I have a relationship with that one thing if that's all there is? Because relationship also implies two-ness, mm-hmm. right? Um, there was another a beautiful, beautiful idea um, that I, I heard in a conversation that's along the same lines. We talk about, you know, being disconnected from spirit is just an illusion. Um, and that, you know, that we're, we're never disconnected from spirit, that it feels like we are sometimes. Well, connection to spirit is also an illusion because if spirit is all there is, then connection implies me and spirit that I am then connected to by a cable, a cord, an idea, whatever that can be severed. There is no connection. There is no disconnection. There is only this oneness of spirit. But then again, how do we, how do we relate to that? And that's really the grist for the mill and a spiritual practice is digging into that and finding out, what it is for us and what it is for us in the current moment, not what it's going to be for us forever, because we can always grow it and deepen it and have something even more profound happen next week. And that's great permission, too, that you don't have to come up with your ultimate spiritual practice today. You can, right. It's practice. Right. You can practice different things, try out different things. Absolutely. Yeah. We are up against a break already. Wow. So we are going to... Uh, listen to some messages for a few minutes and then when we get back we'll talk with Ben Jameson about some specific spiritual practices that you might have heard about in unity like affirmative prayer and affirmations and even love so we'll be back after these messages with Voices of Unity Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. 
If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Blair Tabor from Unity San Diego, taken from a talk called Sacred Service, The Ultimate Spiritual Growth. Who we are and who we perceive ourselves to be as human beings is just such a small part of who we are as spiritual beings. Remember the phrase that I like, you know, Emily Cady says, God did not make you to be spiritual pygmies, but spiritual giants. You know, and do we live as if we're spiritual giants? No, we don't. We live, we live as if we're you know, weak human beings. You know, we're spiritual giants. We need to live that way in our lives. So we have to let go of the ego. It's a challenge because we spent so much energy and focus on, on our ego on dressing a certain way and talking a certain way and looking a certain way and and lining ourselves in certain ways to to uphold that ego identity. But as we're willing to let that go, let it be permeable to spirit, then what we find is we're connected to that infinite oneness that is God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Know Yourself as Divine. Stations of the Cosmic Christ, a new book from Matthew Fox and Bishop Mark Andrus, introduce a spiritual practice designed to help you realize the divine within. Combining prayer and an interpretation of the Stations of the Cross, featuring beautiful imagery, you will be led on a process of transformation. This book will help you discover the most caring, courageous, and compassionate parts of yourself. Get your copy today at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Learn how to break away from self-limiting beliefs and get some support with T.J. Woodward and the Conscious Being Radio Show every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central. A recovery specialist, author, inspirational speaker, and coach, T.J. will share practical tools and life strategies to help you overcome your fears and learn to awaken to your true nature. Join the show with your questions and comments and get the support you need to move forward fearlessly. T.J. is here to help every Wednesday on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Devonport. We're back with Voices of Unity. This is Ellen Devonport. I'm talking to Ben Jameson. Ben is here for four weeks. This is the second of four, right up to the holidays. Uh, I wanted to talk to Ben because because he's an interesting guy overall, but especially because he's written this book called Church-Free Spirituality. So tell the listeners again where they can find more about you. You do lots of videos, right? I do, yes. So um, you can find more about me at benjamison.com. 
J-A-M-I-S-O-N. Uh, there you'll be able to find a link to purchase the book um, as well as my video series. Uh, so I do a, a, a video blog every week called Church Free Spirituality as well, where we take um, a topic, an idea, something about spirituality, about spiritual practice, about what's going on in the world, and just do a brief uh, brief video on it, three to seven minutes, um, and post one of those every week just as another way to connect in and have that uh, that experience. They're posted on Fridays, so it's Church Free Friday. Um, <laughs> my own little alliterative device okay. for social media. Uh-huh. Um, so you you can find it there. Um, I was also on the New Thought channel while it was in operation, um, and it looks like I may be on to a new channel shortly. Uh, they're still working out the details about that, but a Canadian-based streaming service that is launching a spiritual section. Hmm. Um, and so there, you may be able to find me there soon, but it's not confirmed yet, so I won't actually give out information about that. So right now, benjamison.com is the best place to, to get more info on me. Okay. So we spent the first half talking about uh, defining God, which I suppose we could spend all four weeks on. Um, but Sherry asked a great, great question when she called. Do you have to have a, a clear and solid definition of God in order to have a spiritual practice? And you said no. And you said it can be constantly changing and it can be life or creativity or beauty or love and I was thinking, too, of the 12 powers, Charles mm-hmm. Fillmore's idea that there are 12 divine attributes that are hardwired into every human being, but they are the parts of us that express the divine. Um, and they include love and wisdom and order and faith. We could do a whole show on that, too. So so we promised we would talk specifically about some spiritual practices mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? And let me ask you, too, who's the intended audience for this? Is this for people who've never tried meditation, for instance? So uh, for the book, I would say, um, and for for this conversation, uh, the intended audience can be one of two very broad categories. Okay. Um, one is people who are wanting to experiment with spiritual practices, wanting to test them out, see what they are, and try out these ideas. Um, the other is for people who have had spiritual a spiritual practice for a while and are looking to check out something deeper to maybe see if there's something that they've been missing. Um, oftentimes with spiritual books, you can read it and get a lot out of it. And and then a year later, read the same book again and read something you'd never read before, even oh. though it's the same book. Yes. Right. Because as we as we check back in, there are new things that open up for us. So uh, if you're just starting, it's great for that. And if you want to deepen a spiritual practice, it's great for that, too. OK. Um, Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with affirmative prayer because uh, – and all of this too, affirmative prayer, affirmations, every spiritual practice, um, we can really take it out of – almost out of religion altogether and make it kind of secular um, in that psychologically speaking, um, the way this works is our experience of life – is not determined by what happens outside of us. It's determined by how we relate to what happens outside of us. And that happens within our consciousness. Mm -hmm. It happens because of how we have thought or felt in the past, the beliefs that we hold, both conscious and unconscious. And so when we take that idea, 
we can actually say, you know, I don't really need to have this outside God because ultimately my consciousness is the God of my experience, right? That's determining everything that I, how I relate to everything. So if we're looking at it instead of um, some big out there God and more about how do I work within my own consciousness to shift it, that brings it into something that's much more personal and much less nebulous in terms of these ideas of, of God. So when we look at prayer, the typical way that prayer is done in most traditional religions is more of a prayer and supplication, right? So there's this God outside of ourselves, and there's this thing that we want. And so we say, please, God, give me this thing. And if you do, then I'll do this. Or I've been so good, so please give me this thing. Or it's this bartering mm-hmm. back and forth with this external God to get something, um, which, again, for many people can work. It's all about the consciousness that you bring to it, Right. In affirmative prayer, which is what new thought tends to teach and is more of a spiritual practice than uh, more spiritually focused than religiously focused, um, in affirmative prayer, it's not about convincing God of anything. It's not about getting God to give us something. Because with the underlying foundation that God is all there is, God is all knowledge, if om- omniscience, right, all knowing and all knowledge, uh, God knows, quote unquote, knows what we need. God knows the prayer before we pray it. It's already in that universal consciousness. So we don't need to convince that of anything. We need to convince ourselves of it. We need to shift our own consciousness to be able to accept it more. Um, so, so a prayer in affirmation is not a prayer that anything is missing and that we're hoping some outside force will bring it to us. It's a prayer that says everything is in existence right here and right now because God, the allness of everything that is, is fully present right here and right now. That there is no restraint in that spirit. There is no disconnection. There is no distance between me and what I am seeking other than the barriers in my own consciousness that I have placed against it. And so we do the prayer as the answer is already here. It is already done. If we're, if, if we're feeling not well, we don't pray, God, please heal me of my sickness. We pray there is only one life that is whole, complete, and perfect. And so wholeness is my nature because I am one with this one life. And I recognize the wholeness inherent in every cell of my body right now. I celebrate the perfection, whatever the languaging is and the feeling that comes up behind that, affirming the, uh, the desired result as a present reality. Um, that's the basic difference between standard prayer and affirmative prayer. We affirm what we're seeking in the prayer itself rather than begging or beseeching for something that might come later. Um, or rather than even focusing on what appears to be reality in the moment. Yes. So you're standing beside someone's hospital bed and they're really sick and you're worried. You're affirming that their healing is already here? We are. We are, yes. So... That's one way to say it. You can also say you are focusing not on the physical aspect of them that appears to be sick, but are focusing on that eternal aspect of them that is for which sickness does not relate at all. That is always perfect, always whole, always complete, and calling our attention to that. Um, you know, if we if we focus on 
on the disease, if we focus on the fear, if we focus on the doubt, that's what that is going to do to our energy system is going to bring up that, that energy of fear, of concern, of worry. And that, we've all walked into a room at some point or another, and we've gone, ugh, right? Because that just the negative energy in the room just kind of drug us down. Mm-hmm. We've also all walked into a room not feeling great and kind of looked around and felt more energized and felt better just by walking into the room. Part of that is because of the energy that is created in the room by the focus of the people who are there. So if we are in a room where somebody is trying to heal and our focus and our concern and our worry and our fear is all around the sickness, then we are generating an atmosphere that supports the sickness rather than the healing. And if we can take that opportunity to say, no, Life is all there is. God is all there is. Wholeness is the truth. And we look for, in our consciousness, that understanding of that person as wholeness and put our focus on the healing, on the wholeness, on the life that they are. That's going to shift the atmosphere in the room as well. And that will help to support the healing. Yeah. I have a friend whose son was badly injured playing Frisbee. Mm. And while he was in the hospital, they they were holding that high watch. They were... Um, affirming that health is his natural state and there is an eternal part of him that can't be sick, all those things. And my friend said he noticed that the nurses especially and some doctors just kind of started hanging out in the room. Mm. And he didn't think they knew why. They just knew it felt better than all the other rooms. And I I think they need that too. Yeah. Well, and, and an important piece uh, to to bring up about this is that it's sometimes really, really hard to do that mm. when it's a really intense and extreme situation. So there should be no judgment if we're if we're unable to do that. If we try to do that and we are failing in maintaining that positive aspect, that's okay, um, and it's okay to ask other people for help. It's much easier for me to hold a knowing of wholeness for somebody else than it is for me to hold that knowing of wholeness for myself when I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, And the great news about this idea of omnipresence, of there being only one God that's present everywhere, is that when it's known one place in creation, it can be known everywhere. So you don't need to know it necessarily for you. I can know it for you. And then as you open to receive that knowing, then it can affect your consciousness and it can help you to come to that knowing on your own. But you don't have to do this all on your own. And that's why people call silent unity, mm-hmm. which is unity's 24-7 prayer ministry. You can call them on the phone and they will pray with you on the spot. And they can stand in faith even when you can't. And that's what feels so good about calling. Absolutely. Uh, not so much the words they say, although those are beautiful too, but just knowing that someone believes it um, on a day when it's hard for you to believe Absolutely. it. Yeah. Yeah. So there are – you had asked about the steps in in spiritual mind treatment. So there are many different types and varieties of affirmative prayer. The only qualifier that a prayer is affirmative is that the prayer itself contains the answer for the prayer rather than focusing on it coming from an outside source later. It affirms the answer in the present moment. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, So Centers for Spiritual Living uh, has a five-step affirmative prayer practice that they call spiritual mind treatment. The first step is recognition. So you recognize that God is all there is. That's step one. And call forward the qualities of God or spirit, the universe, whatever, that you're wanting to experience. So if it is 
a if it's a health issue that you're praying around um, you would recognize that there is only one presence and one power God the good it is present right here and now and God is wholeness God is unlimited life God is perfection in every way we call forward those qualities of spirit that we're going to use later in the third step of the prayer so that's the first step recognizing God is all there is and calling out those qualities second step unification if God is all there is then I am that. Mm -hmm. So the second step is about, in our consciousness, unifying ourselves with spirit. We're already unified with spirit. There is only one, as we were talking about earlier. But sometimes there's some movement in consciousness that has to happen for us to get there. So God is all there is. And as God is the only thing in all of creation, that must be what I am. I must be living the same life that God is. And so everything which is true of spirit must be true of me. The wholeness of God is my wholeness. The love of God is my love. Whatever the words are that work for you to get you into that sense of feeling that connection to that universal creative capacity. The third step is the realization. So this is where that affirmative piece comes. There is no... Um, there is no such thing as sickness or disease in ultimate reality because spirit is unlimited, unconditional life. And anything that would be in hindrance of that unconditional life cannot be a real thing. So I know that there is only wholeness right here and right now expressing perfectly in, as, and through myself and everybody I come in contact with, whatever the words are. That's where you, you go into great detail and energy about the truth of what you are wanting to experience as here now. Um, third step is thanksgiving, gratitude. Because if we're affirming that this thing is already done, then by God we should be grateful for it, right? So I am so blessed that that the wholeness that I am is radiating and vibrating as every cell of my body right now and blessing everybody around me. Whatever it is, we have a feeling of gratitude to bring that gratitude energy into the prayer. And then the final step is the release step. And there's a couple different ways to look at the release step. Part of it can be about releasing doubts and fears and worries. So you can have a clear statement of, I let go of any unbelief in my consciousness. I release any doubt. It can be about letting go of the prayer into creation. It's kind of like, you know, a great metaphor is the seed soil plant metaphor. I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. The seed is the idea. It goes into the soil to be germinated and then it manifests. So uh, if we plant a seed and then we keep digging it up to see if it's growing yet, it's never going to grow, right? So there is that, that letting go, that release of saying, I have, I have spoken this prayer in the authority of the creative capacity of spirit with which I have identified myself. And so there is nothing else for me to do because the power that birthed the entire universe is now working on this thing and it's done. So that's part of that release, too, is like, and, and so it is. We, uh, in New Thought, we love to end prayers with, and so it is. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just gets tossed off there as, oh, that's just what we say. But that is a complete affirmation of it is done. It is. There is nothing else to be done. Um, and so that's the release portion of it. Um, a very quick version of it is, God is, I am, wow, thanks, bye. <laughs> Or I release my word into law knowing that it is already done. Right. Is one I've heard a lot. Right. Um, you all can tell that Ben is especially good at this. There's a book I love about it, if, if listeners are interested in knowing more, uh, Five Steps to Freedom by John Waterhouse, mm. who is a religious science guy. Mm -hmm. And 
so he writes about these five steps of what they call spiritual mind treatment, which is the same as prayer, right? Yes. It's their or version of affirmative, affirmative prayer. Affirmative prayer. Yeah. Okay. And then the divine science version of affirmative prayer is very similar. So instead, it has this first, the same first two steps, the recognition and the unification. Mm-hmm. But instead of just a realization step, they have a denials and an affirmation step, ah. which pulls in a big piece of unity. Unity is really big with denials and affirmations. Right. So instead of just this general, I'm going to have a realization moment, there is first the I am denying this has any power or authority over me. There's the crossing out of the false beliefs, the naming them and intentionally releasing them, and then going into the affirmative statements of what you want to create. So again, those two things, the denials and the affirmations, tend to get sort of thrown in in a realization statement, catch as catch can in there. Mm -hmm. But with the divine science version, they have specific steps for each of those to make sure that you get focus on both of those pieces. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about affirmations. Yes. They are a spiritual practice themselves. Yes. Affirmations, if uh, if affirmative prayer is a marathon, affirmations are the sprint. <laughs> That's good. Yes. So um, affirmative prayer, like when I, after a service, if somebody asks me for, for prayer and I'm, I'm praying with somebody, um, you know, they're lucky if they're done in five minutes. Because uh, I can, when, when I start going, it can get really long and, and, and take a lot of time. Affirmations, on the other hand, um, need to be really short. Their, their purpose is to be short and quick and powerful rather than long and flowery. It's kind of like, um, so we've got this consciousness bucket, right? Everything we've ever said, thought, felt, or done goes into this bucket and creates our experience. So when we do an affirmative prayer, that's one really big deposit into the bucket, which is going to change our experience. When we do affirmations, we're doing lots and lots and lots of little deposits a whole lot of time over time. Mm-hmm. So we're still getting a huge impact. It's just little chips instead of a big knock off the block. Um, and it's a way to carry that prayer consciousness with you into the day. Absolutely. And keep going back to it. Absolutely. Because it's very easy to take back the problem mm-hmm. and start to worry with it again and forget that you have released it into this great cosmic force that keeps the planets in order. Right. And surely can work out your problem that's a little anthropomorphic but you know what i mean yeah yeah and they so they work really well together you take the time to do the big wordy powerful beautiful affirmative prayer and then later on in the day when you catch yourself back in the same thing and don't have time to do a full-on affirmative prayer you've got the short affirmation that you can just kick in there um for me affirmations there's just a couple of things about affirmations for them to be really powerful um one is that they're short so you can remember them easily and recite them frequently they have to be present tense so if you have an affirmation that says i will soon be experiencing wealth and abundance then as you affirm that you are affirming that you are not now experiencing wealth and abundance it's somewhere in the future and so you are forever putting your wealth and abundance in the future right so the affirmation would be more like wealth and abundance is flowing through me right now and i experience it greatly so, i don't something like that that's a little bit wordy but you can affirm something you don't see you can affirm something you don't see um Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen, I believe is the Bible quote. Um, basically, like, yeah, the affirmation is what's helping to build the faith, the evidence of the things that are unseen so that they can then become seen. Um, 
And, and words are so important um, in both affirmative prayer and in affirmation. Um, there's an example in the book, Church Free Spirituality. I talk about one of my favorite affirmations. Um, and it's about a four or five word affirmation. But when I go into breaking down what each of those words means for me, it takes about 400 words to really explain what those five words mean in my consciousness. Because I took the time to really think about um, wholeness is my name and nature is, is that affirmation. So what does nature mean? What does it mean that wholeness is my nature? What does wholeness mean? How do I go into, well, you know, there are so many different aspects of wholeness. And so I can take that one word of wholeness, which for me means a whole lot of things and get a lot of juice out of it. Um, courage and bravery oftentimes are interchangeable. Now, if one of those for you feels empowering, but the other one for you makes you focus on, Ooh, um, if it's courage, it means that there's something to be scared of and bravery just makes me puff up and stand tall and be strong, then don't use courage, right? Use bravery. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so the words that we use to craft the affirmations are very important. Um, and the other thing about affirmations, <laughs> uh, do not pray in vain repetition. Such a wonderful reminder from the Bible. Um, a lot of ideas about affirmations are that you have this affirmation and you just say it a hundred times a day and your life is going to get better. Yes, some some well-known teachers teach that. Well, you can say wholeness is my name in nature probably a thousand times in two minutes if you don't breathe. <laughs> right? And that's just a bunch of vain repetition. That's not going to do anything for you. And if you do it that way, if it's just about checking the box and seeing that I got to get a hundred recitation or repetitions of this affirmation in today and so I'm just going to say them as quick as I can and then forget about it, then not only will it not work for you most likely, but it will then undercut your affirmative practice because you'll have evidence that it doesn't work. Affirmations, though we say them often, we need to be connected to them. They have to be empowered by our feeling, our intention. It can't just be about speaking something over and over again super, super fast. We'll get a little bit of benefit out of it, mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to carry the weight that we're really looking for if we just blurt them out and not pay attention. I've often heard teachers say that you're reprogramming your subconscious with affirmations. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think affirmations are statements of what is true already, whether you see it or not, whether you really believe it or not. For example, um, I've always urged people to use affirmations that they can believe. So I'll be a millionaire by the end of the week is not something that I believe mm -hmm. is going to happen. So I'll get that arguing voice in my head. But I live in a universe of abundance. I, I believe that. I believe that's true right now. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yes. So affirm statements of truth as affirmations. It's not wishing. Right. And that is another very good point is that it, it, it can be really easy to go for this ultimate of experience, right? The affirmation be about I am totally and completely in the experience of divine enlightenment right now. Um, and and have all of the arguments come up around that. So crafting an affirmation that gets you moving along the way is very important. We don't want to, you know, 
walk before you run type of thing. We don't want to go so far that it is completely unacceptable to our consciousness. Because for that for that aspect of ourselves that maybe is saying, well, the, the repetition of it, then the subconscious mind gets it, unless the subconscious mind completely argues with it and is like, yeah, no way. Right. No way, right. buddy. That's not going to be accepted in your conscious mind or your subconscious mind, right? So we have just a couple of minutes, and I wanted to ask you before we go about you mentioned love as a spiritual yes. practice. Say more yes. about that. Yes. So um, it, it's similar to what we talked about with gratitude a little bit last week. Um, oftentimes people just think that love is something that happens. You fall in love. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, because I fall in love with this person, this person is then the source of my love. Um, love is who you are. Love as unconditional love as what spirit is, is the true nature of who and what you are. So love as a spiritual practice is about connecting to the loving that is within you always. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky in that my wife is an incredibly spiritual person. And we had conversations very early on about, no, you are not the source of my love. You inspire me to find the love in myself and to feel that love and to recognize it. But you are not the source of that love. And so the spiritual practice of love is about finding the ways that we can connect to the loving that we already are, to recognize that that's who we are, and then to intentionally share it with the world. Um, There is... The cosmic sweep of love is the most powerful force in the universe. I don't know who said that first. Um, But the more we bring that loving energy into our experience, and it's something we do consciously, um, the more joyful our experience is, the more people around us are uplifted. And so love as a spiritual practice um, can get really deep. Again, we could do many, many shows on just, just that, that. Um, there is this idea of of love as existence level of loving I love you just because you exist I don't have to have anything more than that and then you go deeper into personal love and deeper into unconditional love and just expands and grows okay let's pick up here next week yes because Ben Jameson will be back next week on Voices of Unity this is Ellen Devonport thanks so much for joining us today We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcast.